to Potadelphia. My name is Dave Diorio. You can find me on Twitter at fat underscore lobster. And I'm joined by two guys who, uh, oh, just just dropped the pass. What's up, <laughs> Chuck and Gene? Uh, that's unfortunately accurate for me in my football history. Um, and it's unfortunately telling for today. Uh, this is Chuck Siders. You can find me on Twitter at Chuck Siders. You can find the show at Potadelphia. Well, my old Twitter handle was uh, Dropsy Zlac, so uh, I'm glad I decided to switch over to at Producer Gene on Twitter uh, <laughs> because that's a heck of a lot easier to get through life with with that handle. <laughs> now, was the was the Dropsy spelled with the like DZ to begin, or no? It was Drop D. It was just Drop Z. Oh, yeah. That's that. Is also be a good rap name for you. Yeah, but I I have like the worst rhythm of anybody I ever met. So, oh. <laughs> can I give uh, can I give slippery digits uh, honorary mention as a possible rap name for Gene? Oh, slippery digits, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that sounds like it should be like the name of my crew. Drop, Drop Z me. and the slippery digits. <laughs> they do the dirtiest rap you've ever heard. <laughs> See, that's the thing, Chuck. You you can't hear it. That's what makes it. <laughs> that's our shtick. Uh. All right. Well, uh, guys, the Eagles lost today. And we're going to we're going to talk about it to make ourselves feel better. Is is that the purpose of us talking about it? It never seems to work that way. <laughs> well, I do feel uh, like sort of a cathartic release uh, after we talk about it. Uh, you know, I don't know that we're ever going to feel good about it okay. because you lost the home game to the Lions in a season that you have Super Bowl aspirations. Yeah. So just, I mean, just putting it in that little uh, little perspective window there. You're a you're a home favorite, and you lost to the Lions. I guess I guess the the Vegas was trying to tell us something. A whole lot of money, I guess, was coming on the Lions late because that that line dropped like two points. What Friday, Saturday? It seemed like it was one of the the busier lines. Yeah, and you know what? And the way I looked at it, I thought that the national betting public was just looking at it at face value. You know, okay, the Eagles are without two of their primary offensive weapons. You know, clearly, they're not deserving of a six-point spread. However, being closer to the epicenter of Eagles Nation, you know, we were looking at it a little more deeply. We have a superior offensive line, supposedly. We have a superior defensive line, supposedly. We have the superior quarterback, supposedly. We have a, a a more dynamic running attack, multifaceted, supposedly. We have a better coach, supposedly. We have better – I don't know. Everything seemed like to me, even though we were missing those two guys, we were going to be able to overcome that in this game at home. Did we underrate the Lions? Like, they're 3-0. I mean, for whatever that means, in an early two zero and one. Two zero and one. Oh, sorry, I forgot about the freaking tie. I knew they haven't lost a game. Sorry. <laughs> right. Um, they are undefeated. 
Well, Gene, these are your underrated darlings here. I was half sarcastic. I mean, I thought the Lions were going to be better. I did not think they were going to be beating us at home better. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I do think that the Lions are not going to be uh, the the doormat of the, the NFC. I think that they're certainly uh, improved over, you know, they're closer to, uh, you know, the, the NFL median, I would say. Um, which, you know, I think to a certain degree you're going to be able to to win games, you know, they're to me probably realistically they're an eight and eight team, and I think that when the you know season plays out, you're going to see that they're an eight and eight team, maybe in some conversation about a wild card, um, a wild card appearance. We'll see. Um, but I I totally was like you, I, you know, I didn't see how there was any phase of the game, especially with the Lions had special teams problems coming into this game. They have had special teams problems. They had special teams problems in this game. Um, they gave up a blocked kick. Um, you know, that was the kind of thing where I thought that we were going to be able to, to find an edge to kind of make up for where we were, where we were down on our playmakers. But I bought this into the hype in the preseason where it was, this is the deepest roster that Howie Roseman has ever assembled. Um, it doesn't feel very deep to me after today. It feels really shallow. It feels like if, if we have uh, three guys down on the offense, we shouldn't not be able to get into field goal range with a minute and a half to tie a game at home. And you're going to play four downs. I, you know, I don't understand how we, we, we didn't push that game at least to overtime. We had so many chances. And, you know, a lot of times last year, the, we'd be having a conversation about how the defense gave up a huge touchdown at the end of the game. Well, I, y- you have to kind of credit You mean like the last week? Yes, like exactly okay. like last week. But in this game, the, the defense finally, when you needed them to make a miracle play, or the special teams, but it was Malcolm Jenkins – you needed that somebody to come up with something to to pull, you know, a victory from the jaws of defeat, uh, like other teams have been doing to us. Finally, this is going to be our chance to make a break, and you, I, I don't understand how again you cannot pick up two first downs to kick a field goal with a minute and a half. And did we have two timeouts? It, it's it's mind-boggling how we didn't get ourselves into position to at least tie that game, or if not win it. I was more worried that we were going to score and give them time to come back up the field. That was my concern. Not that there was any idea that we were just going to turn it over on downs. Like, that didn't seem possible to me. And isn't that the worst kind of hubris, Gene? Because I had that thought as well. I'm like, oh, we want to milk this clock a little. You know, we don't just want to go into the end zone and give them the ball right back and have them, you know, when it, you know, and not give us a chance to tie it up. And then it's like, nope, <laughs> we had two chances clock in our favor and nothing, nothing to show for it. Um, although, I mean, I was not impressed with the, the defense today. I mean, at least not the, the pass rush, man. It's, he had all day back there. No, I wasn't impressed with the defense, but I guess my point being, you can't, you know, look at Ronald Darby and be like, if you had made a tackle, you know, we win the game. Um, yeah. There's been a lot of chance, especially, you know, there was the Tennessee game last year. There is, uh, uh, there was the Atlanta game last week. There are, the defense has not given our offense a chance to win a game in a lot of cases. 
this one is not on them. Um, the offense, and specifically the coach, has got to have a plan to get you. You have got to be able to get a, get enough first downs against the goddamn Detroit Lions defense. We're not talking about the 85 Bears. Like, you need to be—the Cardinals could do it. Are you a better offense than the Cardinals? I think, yes, even as with the Walking Dead personnel that you've got in there, you are a better offense than the Cardinals. One of the things you have is Jordan Howard. Why aren't you using him way more right, during the game? All right, we're, we're, we're a little – we're doing scattershot here. <laughs> Let's, let me draw it back for a second. So, you guys were mentioning the defense. Um, I, the, the defensive line to me is extremely troubling. Uh, I saw a mention today that we're on pace for 11 sacks uh, this season. This is not – well, we went into the season being advertised. Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, Malik Jackson, Jernigan. I mean, what, I know these guys, some of these guys are injured, but, you know, dear Lord, you know, when we're talking about, we talk about what went on last year where we had, you know, every other player on the field was injured. Uh, we didn't make, you know, we didn't make any excuses. I'm talking about our Super Bowl run year. You know, we had players all over the field injured. And even last year, we had half of our secondary out. Um, you know, they got it together towards the end of the season. So I thought we kind of had this, this figured out. They have got to find a way to get pressure on the quarterback, or this is going to be a long season. And the linebackers are terrible. So you're not going to get much help there. Uh it's a major problem, and it's not one that I foresaw coming into the season. They might as well just play the entire game in dime. Like, they might as well just put out five cornerbacks. Like, at least then maybe they could find a way to cover a receiver. There's no point in, in, in some cases even having line, linebackers aren't even involved in, in, in plays half the time. They're not stopping the run. They're not covering backs. I, I, don't, I, don't, know what what, I don't know what they're doing. Somebody on that line needs to step up um, and start making plays. And, you know, I, I look, Fletcher Cox, I know you're getting double teamed. Uh, you know, I I watch players all over the league fight through double teams and still make plays. Yeah. Or, or that double team should allow a hole, like make certain they're double teaming you in such a way that it's creating an opening for somebody else. You think J.J. Watt is like, oh, they're double teaming me. <laughs> I'm not going to make the Pro Bowl. They're double teaming me. That's a very good JJ Watt impression. I, I don't think there's two guys in the league that can actually double team JJ Watt anyway. You've heard him speak, right? <laughs> <laughs> not so much that I remember him talking like Mickey Mouse. <laughs> They're double teaming me. Ho <laughs> ho. Uh, but look, but despite all that, we have our best start to the season. Uh, the best, uh, the best first quarter of the season. We scored 10 points. Yeah. The problem is, is we let a kickoff return. Keep the lines in this game. I don't know how you give up a kickoff return for a touchdown in the NFL. This like the way it is now, like how every kick does not go through the end zone for a touchback is beyond me. Like, is there a strategy at all to ever let somebody try to return it to 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 get plus or minus five yards? My, the the strategy should be find somebody 
somewhere in the world that you can give a roster spot that will put that ball in the back of the end zone every single time. Like, you have to do that. Look, when it's 90 degrees, when it's 90 degrees out, and you're a professional kicker, meaning you kick a football and get paid to do it, there's no, there should be no touchbacks. I mean, there should be no runouts unless there's gale force winds, in my opinion. I mean, this, <laughs> and regardless, you got to, I mean, tackle the guy. <laughs> I don't know. With second longest return, I think, in Eagles history. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, not that it makes much of a difference, but disheartening. You know, after the, you know, opening drive, put up some point points, you know, second drive, get the touchdown. Even if it wasn't just an immediate, like, all right, feel good about it. And then all the air goes out of the balloon, you know? And even right. when we go up, you know, 10 to seven, you're not feeling good then. Cause it was like free points. you like, you just handed them like, here you go. Have a touch, have a touchdown. No time on the field, nothing at all. Just, you know, go for it. Uh, and then, I mean, we are hopping around here, but the first quarter we saw a sustained running game. You know, like we saw them using the run as a weapon. And then where the hell did that go in the second half? It's what you needed to happen in this game. Uh, and it's what every, every lay person, every caller, every uh, armchair quarterback, every analyst basically said, when you have these weapons on the shelf, they're going to have to rely on a running game. And in steps, you know, your new acquisition, your 1,000-yard rusher, your two-time 1,000-yard rusher, power back is what you brought him in here for. You have pro football has you ranked as the one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. You're going to pound the football against an inferior opponent at home. Well, you do it for like five times and then you're good, right? <laughs> then you're just going to forget that that was a thing that was actually working well. Was it only a handful of times? Did I just get way too excited over the fact that like, hey, we're going to try a running game this week? Because it was there, I attributed a lot of the early success to it, and then <sighs> disappeared. I don't know what. Oh, sorry, it's so frustrating. When I, well, when... they had they had thirty carries. Uh, well, four of them were when, so twenty six carries. Um, and thirty six passes. So, I mean, it's it, you know, it wasn't a terrible imbalance. I just felt like they should have stuck with it more specifically in the second half, even though they were behind, it was something that was working. There was way yeah. too many second and third and eight plus. You know what I mean? Like, they needed to set themselves up into much more manageable situations so that they're not throwing these deeper, uh, less uh, less high percentage plays down the field. But I think more so to the they need to run more, it was they need to use Jordan Howard more. Right. There's so much Sanders. Like, you know, Sanders got 13 carries. You know, Howard got 11. I, I, you know, I I don't know. I feel like this should be like 20 to 4, giving 20 yeah. to Howard. 
Like he should be our feature back. I, like I get it because you know Doug Pye doesn't like the fact that he's not a great receiving running back. And he feels like it tips his hand and he doesn't have as many options when he's got him in the game. But the way it was described to me with 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 power teams, teams that successfully run the ball, I think I remember talking to a to a high school coach eons ago. But the way he described it to me is it's, it's very similar to like if you think about a prize fighter, if you think about a heavyweight, um, it's not the most appealing way to, you know, it's not the sexiest way to beat a guy by punching him in the gut. But if you wear a guy down with body shots over the course of a fight, eventually he's not going to be able to keep his arms up, and you can just knock him out. Well, and we could talk about we could talk about the commentators, but you know they had it nailed um, towards the end of one of those drives that you know they were observing that the defensive line of the Lions was sucking wind. Yeah, I mean, had they had their hands on their hips, and you know. Um, and we were getting push. And as soon as we got into the red zone with it, it we're, you know, we're trying to make, we're trying to force throws to guys that can't catch. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, it, our injuries are our receiving core. We had, you know, at least one huge drop last week. I mean, there were several I remember, but, you know, the big one that cost us the game, you know, we had more drops this week. Just keep them honest with the running game. I know it's cliche, but it's cliche for a reason. And Gene, you said something of like, oh, he doesn't want to overplay his hand. It isn't all play calling in any sport about misdirect of you give it to Howard, you give it to Howard, you give it to Howard, you fake to Howard you give it to Sanders, you know, like, isn't that what it's all about? Like playing with their expectations. Have you ever seen Doug do it, run a two back set? I don't think I've ever seen that at least not last year, but it's not, not even not like, year. it's not even like Jordan Howard has like peg arms or something. I mean, like he can catch a football. Yeah. It's just not his, you know, a, a, a high level skill set of his. So, I mean, it's not like you can't do those things that you want to do. I just think like I want the the best ball carrier in the game as a running back, right? And I want to send more like third and four. There's a heck of a lot more you can do from third and four than third and nine. You know what I mean? Like I would rather us run first and second down, and put us in a third and four. I would you know I would wouldn't, wouldn't mind punting a few times during the game if I know that I've I've. You know, that's kind of where you're churning. And you have to be able to trust your defense against the Lions. You have to be able to, you know, play field position, pin them back a couple times. That That's part of the game, too. I never felt like any of that kind of came into play today. It felt like the whole game was like, it was like a sprint. It was literally like a wind sprint. Like, like every drive felt like it was a four, it was being run in the, in, in the four minute offense. It never felt like we tried to, you know, grind them down the way we did against Washington. And I feel like this Lions team would have bent to your will if you were willing to do the things you needed to do to grind them. Put them on their their heels. Stop responding to them and start dictating to them. Doug only likes to run when he's winning. 
and all these stats that come out that say, oh, Eagles are uh, 33 and two when they run the ball 30 times or whatever, or whatever it is. That's because they're already winning. Yeah. <laughs> that's because they jump out to a lead through the air and then they grind it out on the ground. And, it, you know, guess what? That's not always how it's going to work. And is Doug disciplined enough to stick to a running game when his options through the air are limited? And I'm going to say no. Yeah. Yeah, he's the Andy Reid disciple, and like this is like the I was gonna say the ugly side of Andy Reid, but the ugly side of Andy Reid's play calling, where just trust the running game, you know, be willing to fail with the running game. Gene, when you were saying run it twice to to give it a chance at three, uh, third and four, as opposed to third and nine, my first thought was, well, it doesn't matter, we're passing anyway, you know. Like, uh, it's, I think opening week, I felt my confidence in Doug restored last week. I wasn't doubting him this week. I don't know what the hell was happening. It's the, the whole, the whole game. I couldn't believe it was that close. The whole game. I couldn't believe we were losing when we were and that we lost when we did, you know, it just seemed like, that game was there for the taking. It doesn't seem like we we're getting our asses kicked. It seemed like we were kicking our own ass. Like, doesn't we this were seem fault. like it's this? We have this same feeling after every loss for the last two years. Yeah, we get together. We talk on this show. We talk about a loss. We talk about how close it was. I got. I got to give credit to uh, to Radar, who's been on the show before. The almost Eagles. <laughs> almost won the game, almost had the first down, almost scored a touchdown on that kick return. Carson almost led us back. The almost Eagles. And that, and that we sit here and we talk about every week how no, that team didn't beat us. We screwed ourselves. And it's the same conversation we have over and over again. So when does it come to this is a coaching problem? I mean, I'm not, I don't want to run the guy out of town or anything, but listen, man, let's make a fucking adjustment. Yeah. And, and every time he gets asked about something, it, it, it's asking. Like, it, what did they say today? Hey, coach, are you going to make any sort of uh, gameplay? You know, going to make any changes to the game plan based on the fact that you're starting and backup left tackle or out of the game? Nope. Nope. We're going to do we're going to do exactly what we plan to do. Well, I look, I don't know if that's true or not, and it could just be like coach speak or whatever but if that's your if that it really is true i cannot abide i would hope it's not true but i don't doug is a stubborn guy you know he's a he or at least he comes off that way when things aren't going well when things aren't going well he you know gets a little testy his answers get a little short He's not at all forthcoming. So, you know, maybe he says we're not going to make any changes when he fully intends to. But it doesn't come off like coach speak. It doesn't come off as, you know, I'm purposefully lying to you, you know, to, to throw somebody else off. And it, last week we were rolling with the punches. You know, the the situation with the injuries you know, wasn't apparent, you know, it wasn't present before the game. They happened in game things, 
changed on the fly. Okay, that's hard to deal with. You had a whole week. You had a whole week to to prepare for the Lions. You know, you had no excuses this summer. And you got Goddard back. And you got Goddard back. Well, the good that did. Yeah. Well, I don't think he even showed up in, you know, in, in too many packages until, like, the third quarter. I guess they finally decided to run him out there. It seemed like he... You know he wasn't he wasn't in very much, so I mean I don't know I don't know how healthy he really is and and honestly if he's not a hundred percent you know or if he's not in a if you're not willing to risk him then why aren't we doing what we need to do to put if you want to run two tight end packages don't keep a one legged man on your bench there are other tight ends in this league that would love an opportunity to come and play for your football team that have two functioning calves. You know what I mean? Like, make room. <laughs> you know, you made room for Greg Lewis this week. How 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 many snaps did he get? It's it, it's it, it's a strange way that we kind of went into the season. Wait wait wait, Greg Lewis suited up. I I hope I has I I think I have the right Lewis. Whatever whichever wasn't he our receiving coach last year? <laughs> I knew blue. <Blue>? <laughs> Which there is another receiver that we had on the practice squad that we brought up. I thought he was a Greg Lewis okay. too. I thought we had an extra Greg Lewis. I thought Maybe. they just multiplied. Listen, Greg Lewis sounds like a great guy to bring up though. Like <laughs> just as like a <laughs> reserve receiver name. I'll tell you what. I would take Greg Lewis, that Greg Lewis, and Jason Avant. On this team tomorrow, if they want to come out of retirement. I was going to say, you got to throw in Jason Avant. <laughs> Jason Avant. It makes you really appreciate what kind of guy Jason Avant was. Jason Avant was, if there was one thing you could count on, maybe he was only going to get you eight yards. But, man, if you put that ball anywhere in his, like, three-foot radius, it was he was going to catch it. Yeah, he was holding on to it, too. Yeah. Uh, which is more than I could say for a bunch of the players today. Uh, so, let's talk about the fumbles, the drops. Look, Nelson Aguilar. Let's talk about the elephant in the room. Nelson Aguilar, is he a bum? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, just to put too fine a point on it. (laughs) But look, any look, I would say if I look at it, you know, two touchdowns, 50 yards, that's a great game. Why am I sitting here wondering if the dude's a bum? Because he's got those slippery fingers. Is that the term we used earlier? <laughs> slippery digits. Slippery digits. Slippery digits. Yeah. That dude will always let you down. He may surprise you when you least expect it. But when you think you have a, a bird in the hand, forget it. He will break your heart every week. He is not ever going to be a number one. And this is, I mean, for a guy in his position, he's making $9 million this year. But more importantly, he is without a contract next year. So this was this is his chance right here, right now, to show I am worth a receiver money. You can pay me to be your number one, Tennessee Titans, Jacksonville Jaguars. <laughs> Nah, no one's doing Washington that. Redskins. You can, you can, but that's, but that's, that's the mindset that he's got to go in here with is this is my chance, man. Both of my guys, the guys ahead of me on the depth chart, they are out of commission. This is my time to 
make a game-winning catch to not fumble and cost us another game. You well, know, maybe that's the problem. Maybe that's a problem. You see his like post-game, you know, interviews. He's so down on himself. Like, I think it goes on Twitter and it's like, my bad, guys. Like, I really blew that game. And you, you think of, like, diva wide receivers and these guys who, like, you know, will never say it's their fault. Well, maybe you need to have that attitude. Maybe you yes. need to have the attitude of, it's not my fault. Like, give me the ball again. Yes. He, he All right, look. Say what you want about him. Whatever. Talk about his skill set. Talk about his potential. Whatever. There's one thing undeniable. He is not a killer. Yeah. He's just not a killer. So it's that's fine. If like you just need to know that that's what you have. And in a high pressure situation, you can't go to him. You can't rely on him. But what else do you have to do? I mean, I trust Matt Collins more at this point. But Matt Collins doesn't have the set to get. He can't get open. Yeah, I know, but. I feel he's got more of a killer instinct and more confidence. I think you're absolutely right, and he's great on special teams, but he is not he, – he can't be your A receiver either. That's the problem with this team. They built this team with the expectation that, like, man, like, we've got Deshaun Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey. We're set. There was no possibility in, the, in their mind when building this roster that they could be without – both those guys for any length of time. And honestly, the way these injuries are to the two of them, they may not be a hundred percent themselves the entire season. Deshaun Jackson was recommended to have surgery. You've got to hope that he doesn't come back, you know, two steps slow, because guess what? If he's two steps slow, he's just another guy. What makes him special is that he can fly. And if he's got a busted leg, a busted groin, busted ab, He's not going to be that same guy. But we need Alshon. We need his... He's a killer. He absolutely yeah. is. All right. Uh, Sanders with the fumbles. I don't know. It's just more more evidence to me that we should be relying more on Howard. Do you think that after the the the, the two fumbles in that same drive, do you think Doug was just like, I'm not... I'm not doing this shit anymore. Like, I'm not. Deuce, your boys cannot carry the load. I'm going back to the air. Carson's the only guy I trust. Maybe. I I mean, I I guess I could see how that that thought process would go. But do you agree with that philosophy that head coaches have that if a, a running back puts it on the ground, basically they immediately go to the to the bench? I don't remember as a, a you know growing up that that was kind of like almost nowadays it's it's no I thought the next drive you just hand it right to them again that's kind yeah. of how I thought I remember growing up but now it seems like the worm has turned kind of on this and it's like oh if a running back puts it on the ground like he's gonna he he might as well have lost his job you know what I mean I feel like it's that, that I think it might be different between like rookies and vets like for a vet you want to say like you know if, if they are your feature back. You want to you want to still say that you know we still have the confidence and you don't worry about it. You're our feature back. With a rookie, it's like, dude, I can't have you fucking up this game, man. Like we we will regroup next week. <laughs> at least that's how I, I would look at it. It just it's strange to me that you have Jordan Howard with the idea that you can ease Miles Sanders up to feature back pace, and it, it feels like we have we've never just let Jordan Howard come out and. 
be the man. Like you, you, you paid him as your one A. Run him into the ground. You're only going to have him for a year. You don't right. need to save the tread on that dude's tires, man. Like he's Legarrett, Legarrett, blunt it up, man. Like run, <laughs> run that dude, run that dude north south, man. He wants the ball, give it to him. I, it's frustrating because I feel like you you, you can't you can't uncoach fumbles like that kind of thing. Like you, you when when you when you get bit by those sorts of things, they they, they seem like they kind of snowball. Uh, once you have like that, those negative thoughts creep into your team's head, you know, one fumble becomes two, becomes three, uh, one interception becomes two, becomes three. Um, you know, you, it's so hard to have like that, that goldfish mentality where you just wipe, you know, or that etch a sketch kind of mentality where like the next drive, all the things that happened before it are just out of your mind. You just, you just stick to the plan. Who knows? Maybe having, uh, your head ratcheted around uh, 195 degrees by the face mask um, without anybody giving a damn about it messes you up for the rest of the game. It would mess me up. It would really mess me up. <laughs> so, and then we, if the guy that, that did it was on the other sideline laughing about it, that would have messed me up too. Yeah. Let's talk about that for a second. Is this one of the, the most obvious in open space, blatant, 15-yard face mask penalties you've – well, I guess they're all 15 yards now. Uh, face mask penalties you've ever seen in your life where it comes so far as the helmet comes off. I mean, honestly – The helmet and one... some other apparatus. Like, there was all kinds of things flying off of his head. We were basically one step away from the Lions player holding the face mask, ripping the helmet off, and then carrying it over to the sideline with him. It was so blatant. See, I thought you were going uh, Scorpio from Mortal Kombat there. I thought you were going, like, holding the head in the, you know, spinal Get column. Over here. <laughs> yes, attached to it. <laughs> sure, with, like, the spine dangling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I the mean, bottom. pulling out a fatality, which would still only be a 15-yard penalty. Right, 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 right. But, no, it was egregious. That head snap, man. Like, like face masks... It's an easy way to tell when you just see that head jerk, you know, <laughs> you can't fake that. You can't be running one way and go, I'm going to contort my head to the side real suddenly. Well, and then, you know, that that ref turns uh, turns around to the to the big board at, at the at the link when it when it goes up on the on the screen. And what does he do? Like, oops, my bad. Like that. I, I don't know. I, I guess at that point, there's nothing he can do. I can't now, like, posthumously throw the flag. <laughs> he was not actually killed. We just <laughs> need to put oh, that right, out right, there. Right, right. <laughs> the corpse of Miles Sanders fumbled twice. Um, do, do you think that uh, we're going to see a fine come down for the play, though? Do you think on Monday morning you'll see that uh, he'll be assessed uh, like a $10,000 unsportsmanlike conduct for that i don't know but do you think there's a way we could engineer the i mean do they do that for face masks i don't know i mean that looked pretty egregious like that looked like you know like what you would call a personal foul like it looked more violent than was necessary to make the play do you think there's a way we can engineer the helmet so the face mask will come off when someone pulls it um 
and have it still protect the way that it's supposed to? Like, I don't know. I think that there probably is certainly some conversation about that. Well, I, I, mean, I think it would be safer if it popped off at that point rather than stay on. Well, I know that they have done work to make, you know, what actually happened. You see how his, his helmet actually came off. Um, there has been, you know, they're not strapped on quite as tight as they they used to be like those that snaps and and that sort of apparatus that's all very different but you know it's it's an interesting thought to to you know the nfl is putting a lot of money and a lot of research into safety but i feel especially this season that there are more players that are hurt and missing time than i can remember in a really long time and I don't know if you want to attribute that to because the game is supposed to be getting safer. You know, it, it seems like we're having the opposite effect. We have how many starting quarterbacks out for long periods of time? We have how many now starting running backs, starting receivers down for how much time? You know, we're going to start seeing the USFL, you know. None of them are Cowboys, though. <laughs> it's because the Cowboys haven't actually played a real football team yet. That's fair. But okay, a couple things on that. So, one on the retractable face mask, you'd have to make it come off so that only releases when pulled from a certain angle. Like, so no direct pulls, no, you know, impact in the front. It'd have to be so when you pull on it from a certain angle, it designs to release. And so maybe we can uh, pull in our uh, second doctor, Dr. Phil Laporta, if you want to design one. I think there's a lot of money to be had there. And then, Gene, your point of making the game safer, but there's all these injuries and they're out for longer. Well, them being out for longer, is that the byproduct of them making it safer? As opposed to, oh, yeah, he got his bell rung, put him in there. You know, oh, you got the kissing disease. Suck it up and get on the field. Okay, you well, know? That, that one's just bad luck. Yeah, but... It it's one of those things where it's like, oh, he's out for four weeks. And how many times did we used to hear, oh, it's a four to six week injury, but he's so tough he came back and won, as opposed to he shot himself up with cortisone and probably won't be able to walk later in life, but he's back in one week. Yeah, but maybe it's also like uh, when you tell someone, hey, you know, go run a mile and, you know, they go run a mile and don't, don't think about it, but versus – Okay, I need you to go run a mile, but I want to make sure when you do it, you, the way you, uh, I want you to step, you know, perfectly heel toe, keep everything in a line, keep your chest up, your head straight. I want you to look forward the entire time, breathe through your nose, out through your mouth, all this stuff. And, you know, you start to do it, to do something unnaturally, or I don't know, you change the way you would normally do it, and in which case you get injured. And I don't do, know. Do you, I, I'm making stuff up. Obviously. Do you think that this goes back to the lack of a preseason? Do you feel that by having people go through what was a much longer grind of a preseason, that by the time they got to the regular season, they these kind of um, these kind of injuries had kind of already been worked through, and or do you think that? You didn't want to have to, you know, are, are we better off that we didn't have these things happen in preseason uh, so that, you know, we had everybody at least theoretically to start the season? I don't know what the, you know, which is a chicken and egg kind of scenario. Do you want to go back to the Dick Vermeil three-a-days 
you know, in full pads starting, uh, you know, 4th of July? Or do you want to go yeah. to the uh, smoothies and and um, and and grilled chicken of uh, of, of uh, Chip uh, Chip Kelly? I don't know. I think that's more. And I think maybe it's not so much the preseason games, but just kind of what coaches are restricted to do in practices that lead to a lack of preparation. But I mean, we're game three now, man. Like it's the time for that is over now. Yeah, there, there's no excuse. The first two weeks were preseason. This, hey, after Thursday night, we're a quarter of the way through the season. Jesus, man, that game's coming in a hurry. <laughs> like, like I'm, I'm not ready for another game this week. How pissed you know? off are you? That no, I wish we had a bye week. Actually, how pissed yeah. off are you that these schedule makers put us on the road for three weeks in October because the fucking Phillies are supposed to be in the uh, playoffs? I mean, it is what it is. I mean, what are you gonna do? You gotta play your schedule. Do you do you do you really I mean like is that just conspiracy theory like tin fat tin tin hat, tin foil hat kind of talk that, that the uh that <laughs> That's some Tim Fat right there. <laughs> some yeah. Tim Fat. Uh you know, that some guy in, in uh in at the at the NFL is actually a Phillies fan. He's like, Ooh, well the Phillies are gonna be in the postseason, so let's let's put the Eagles on the road. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't I don't think I appreciate so. it. I appreciate the vote of confidence, I guess. Well, I remember I think I don't know if it was 07, it was definitely 08 and 09 where you know Phillies in the playoffs and they would do a big graphic of all right the Phillies are playing today and tomorrow and the Eagles play tomorrow and the Flyers play at home and there's estimated like this many you know 100,000 people are going to be coming right. through the area <laughs> so like, takes up the yeah, <laughs> and then everyone takes up and they can't get the game, and you just drive right in, <laughs> right? Um, but so that I don't know. That seemed to be a a feature that seemed to be something they promoted as opposed to oh, like it's a good thing to have that much activity. Yeah, I at the complex. Was, yeah, yeah. There was talk of like, oh, who's gonna double dip? Are you gonna double dip? Are you going to the Eagles game and yeah, then yeah. the Phillies game? Like, can you do the triple dip? <laughs> And if so, do you have a good lawyer for that DUI? <laughs> and uh, a yeah. good lawyer for your divorce, most likely. Yeah. <laughs> hey, can you guys remember a game where there have been more offensive pass interference calls made? I, was, I can't. I was listening to, uh, oh, God, what game was I? I was watching a college game uh, yesterday afternoon, and the, the commentators were saying, like, oh, you know, Chris Collinsworth says – if you push off with the elbow, they never call it. But if you push off with your arms or your hands, they'll get it every time. That's but good I, advice, I think. Yeah, I mean, that's not bad, but, like, you got to be close enough to the dude that you can push him with your elbows. You know what I mean? Like, the reason you use your hands is because, like, your arms are longer and give you more leverage. I don't. I mean, like, you're, you're kind of, like, chicken-winging people? Is that what Chris Collinsworth is, is kind of, like... Yeah, describing it's like give him. Yeah, give, give him the old, old, give him the old chicken wing. Give him the old chicken wing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't really, you know, you don't. Maybe the reason you don't see that move is because it's not getting called and 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 they're not highlighting it. I, I yeah. don't know. I mean, the one that was on Darren Sproles was pretty cut and dry. You know, yeah, I mean, like that I agree. One was, that one was pretty good. I'm trying to think. I think there was one on the Mac first, Hollins. Uh, uh, Hollins one. That seemed a little soft. Like, yeah. it seemed like it was a little bit of a. Uh, you know, we ended up scoring a touchdown on the drive anyway, but right. um, 
that one seemed a little a little soft to me. I'll give you the Darren Sproles one, but hey, I mean, like if you're Sproles and you're five foot five, you know, yeah, hey man, what, what are you? You're thirty do? yards downfield. The last thing you're going to do is let that guy make a pick for one thing. So it was part like make sure that that guy's not in position to pick this ball off, and if by chance I can also make this play. Like Darren Sproles is a borderline Hall of Fame player. He has played the game a lot you know i'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt that that was there was a lot going on on that play um and hell if it doesn't get called great but um you know the whole pass interference rules in general like i feel like it partly is i can't understand what it is and the broadcast team this year more than any year i can ever remember i feel like they have absolutely no idea what game they are watching versus the game that i am watching and and to prove this point, I even went back and I watched other broadcasts from when I was watching football when I was younger. I went and watched some 90s uh, uh, Madden and uh, Summerall uh, broadcasts. I watched some old uh, Dennis Miller Monday Night broadcasts. I went back and watched some <laughs> Howard Cosell. I went back and I, I, I watched some from very young uh, – uh, who was the guy that broke his leg in like 15 places from Washington? Yeah, I watched some of his early stuff. And I'll tell you, the reason Jack w- Youngblood. <laughs> the reason why we don't remember this is because th- there's a phrase that has been lost in football broadcasting. It's let's go let's let's go down to the field for the call. <laughs> Everybody in the goddamn booth has got to make and they got to go to Dean Blandetto and give him get his opinion before we oh hear from God. the goddamn referee. I hate that guy so much. They have made 15 different penalty calls and none of them are actually right. Just get back on Jerry Jones party bus. <laughs> leave me alone for it. It's like the one like minute story that I will hold on to for for all time. Anyway. Well, it just confirms your suspicion. You know, it's like <laughs> oh yeah, oh, everybody loves the Cowboys. And then, like, somebody's on Jerry Jones' party bus. They're like, I knew it. I knew it. You know? <laughs> um. All right. So before we – because I know we want to talk talk a little flyer stuff. I want to do some uh, some quick stories around the NFL. Do we have time for that? Yeah. Sure. And some Eagles stuff, too. Do you guys know who Eric Furda is? Mm, did I go to high school with him? Uh, no, I highly doubt that. He is the dean of admissions uh, oh, yes, yes, of the yes, University of Pennsylvania. <laughs> uh, he's the guy. He's the guy that was like screaming, taking us into commercial break. That you know, we tweeted about. Uh, a lot of other um, accounts were tweeting about it. Basically, this guy screaming full throated. What the fuck are you looking at? Yeah. And he's the uh, dean of admissions at UPenn. Yes, oh. man, that guy has uh, died in the wool, Philly, huh? God, I wish I was smart and could have gone there. <laughs> but it's nice to show that, like, the Ivy League still has passion. You know, sure. That you may be thinking you're high class going to Penn, but you're still in Philly. You know, right? right. And 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 we're all Eagles fans. Yeah, damn straight. That's the thing, right? Um, the Jeopardy, the Jeopardy question, forty-one thirty-three. Yeah, the guy, the guy bids forty-one thirty-three on the daily double, and 
basically says yes because that's the eagles score from the super bowl yeah and uh, (laughs) like even more to the point he's like well the math just happened like i was always going i was planning to do it as soon as i could find a place where the math worked out did you know that this same guy the reason why he was kind of like lackadaisically betting at jeopardy it's because he's already won big on a game show before any thoughts as to which game show it was did anybody else hear this i did not hear it i'm gonna say win ben stein's money no you're close though Win um, Jimmy Kimmel's money? <laughs> uh, uh, remote control. I don't know. No, it was he was he was a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar winner on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Oh, yeah, uh, and Andy, was it a Regis Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, or was I'm it not like sure. some daytime? I think it, was a, I think it might have been a Meredith, but Andy oh. Reid was his phone a friend. What? what really? No, that was true. That was truth or truth. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had you going there. Yeah, I was hook, line, and sinker. I'm Andy, like, hey. what are the three possible outcomes of a football game? Uh, you could win, you could lose, and um, 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 the time's yours. Um, <laughs> Got to do a better job. <laughs> I don't know. How's it going? Can we talk about Antonio Brown for a second? I mean, I think it'd be crazy if we didn't talk about Antonio Brown, right? Oh, sure. <laughs> I mean, how Maybe we don't because what is there to say? How bad, like, do like what is it? I just for once would like really love to be in the room with Belichick when he's like, nah, this guy's too crazy for me. Like, like, I, I like how you have got to be like absolute, like, total scum for Belichick to be like, you could help us win. Yeah, nah, you need to go. He lasted, yeah, he's a week. had murderers on the squad, he lasted a week. And had a touchdown in the game that he played. You're, you know, it makes you kind of wonder, like, man, was he really there just to make sure that they covered well, against the Dolphins? Yeah. And it's also like, like you all, like we all know that um, Belichick's complete asshole, right? Like no one, no one's under any sort of, you know, misconception that he's not. So, but. All the reporters asking questions about Antonio Brown really bring out the douche in Belichick. <laughs> like he is such, like, such an asshole, man. <laughs> I mean, check out some of the clips of reporters asking him about Antonio Brown. It's just like, yeah, and wow. they have to. They have to. You like you would right. be fired yeah, on the job. spot. Yeah. So here's here's my question then. If you're going to create a scale of like coach speak with uh, Belichick being the top of the scale, like the most coach speakiest, douchiest, do you put the bottom like Jim Mora, Indianapolis Colts, playoffs crying? Is that the bottom? I I don't know that I put Belichick at the top because you think there's a douchier guy? But there's guys that do it a little more gracefully, I guess. Like Bill's just like your. I, I don't know. You're like uh, your MAGA uh, great grandfather or something. Like, <laughs> no, I'm not as you know. It's just a jerk about it. Yeah, like he he does not hide his contempt. He will give you a bullshit nonsense answer, but like, there's something to go with. He's giving you content by being irritated. Andy Reid has to be pretty high with the grunts and like. 
Yeah, time. I gotta do a better job. I gotta do a better job. Yeah, do a better job. I'm pretty sure well, he thank just you has for that half an hour. I'm pretty sure yeah, that Andy, Andy Reid uses... might be the king of this. He uses a soundboard, doesn't he? Like, I don't think he actually talks. <laughs> like, I think he just hits a button. You know, he's been sounding exactly the, the same since like Philadelphia '99. Like, once oh, in a while, geez. he slips up and talks about McNabb. So th- this morning, uh, Antonio Brown goes to Twitter and basically calls out. <sighs> so I guess he's pointing out that there's still plenty of people earning a living off of the NFL who have committed the same or to some degree, one way or the other different um, have had similar accusations uh, put on them. So he points out, Hey, Ben Roethlisberger was accused of rape and he only gets a four game suspension. Well, (laughs) okay. Antonio Brown, no one has suspended you. Right. First of all, you so, haven't been suspended. Just nobody wants you to work for them. Or Shannon Sharp, uh, you know, has been accused of some, you know, wrongdoings, but he's still employed by what is he on Fox now? Yeah, I think so. With like undisputed. And then he calls out Robert Kraft, which that not that's the most guilty of all of them. <laughs> but what are you going to do? I mean, yeah. See, but here's the thing, right? It's like. Right, right. So when when Michael Vick um, came back to the NFL, it was I heard a lot of it's he's paid his debt to society. The man now has a right to earn a living, which to me, you do not have a right to earn a living in the NFL. Correct. Yeah, that's the big difference. You have a right to earn a living. You don't have a right for someone to employ you, you know, it's especially in the highest, you know, the most elite elite football, you know, league in the world. So no, you don't have a right to that job. It's like, dude, you are fucking toxic, bro. Yeah. I think that especially now, even more so than when Michael Vick was coming back into the league, if you can believe that it was, because it was pretty, it's pretty important then too, but even more so now the, the the league is under such a microscope with all of the black eyes that they have taken. You have got to take into account the types of players that you are bringing into your organization. Like you are not only just a football team out there to win Super Bowls, you are a a franchise in this in this every sense of the word. You are uh, a, a, you know, a a conglomerate like. You know the highest. You know if you look at the Yankees and 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 the Cowboys and, and you go into the European soccer leagues, like you have got to be able to live up to the billionaire bottom line that you are projecting. And look at the way Vic, and not that he pointed out Michael Vic. I brought Vic into this conversation, but look at the way Michael Vic conducted himself after he came back to the league. I mean, beyond model citizen. Uh, oh, Chuck's giving me the not so much, not well, not model citizen. Well, there was the time someone suspiciously got shot, um, <laughs> where he was at like a club or something, and then he left very quickly, and then someone was shot shortly after he left. <laughs> that that was like year two of him with the Eagles, I think. You know, I'm focusing more on the speaking engagements. 
No, no, no. Michael, <laughs> Michael Vick really did pay his debt to society. He had consequences for his actions and took steps to make amends. So that was a big thing. And I think it's important okay. to note that, like, in my eyes, crime is crime is crime. You know, whether it's, you know, you 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 carry a gun into an airport and get, uh, you know, you 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 don't get it through security like certain members of our defense have tried to do. Um, you know, there should be consequences for all of the above, no matter what the no matter what the crime is if in my job if i you know commit a crime there are going to be consequences uh you know so just like anybody else if you are under criminal investigation or if you if you commit a crime then there should be consequences for your actions and sometimes i think to us all here on the outside as fans sometimes i think the perception is that talent is uh beyond even it makes you beyond the law, makes you ahead of the law. And, uh, you know, there is a certain point that Antonio Brown is making that maybe he he is being more penalized than other people that have broken the law. I, I And, I you know, maybe there is some some truth there, but he has to accept that he's also done things that have, you know, his own actions have put him in his in this position. OK, I have a lot on that. So <laughs> in the NFL and in a lot of places, Talent really does put you above the law. And I mean, it just has been the case. You know, we often say, you know, if Ben Roethlisberger was the the backup quarterback and not the star, and you know, if you know this guy was a scrub on the practice squad or whatever the case may be, he'd be out of the league, he'd be X, Y, and Z. Even Antonio Brown, if he could have just not been crazy, he could have still been a rapist. Like, I'm not advocating for it. It wasn't the sexual assault, you know, charges that got rid of him. I think Bob Kraft said he rubbed me the wrong way um, or something along those lines. And then he makes the point, you know, Antonio Brown made the point that he wasn't intending to make more or less was like, Oh, everybody else gets to have rape allegations. Why not me was like his point. <laughs> right. As opposed to, yeah, this is unacceptable across the board or, but no, it's, if you win games and you're good on the field and you're good in the locker room, they turn a lot of blind eyes for you being a shitty human being outside of those scenarios. So I I think if Antonio Brown was liked in the room and he could have done whatever the hell he wanted. Yeah. I I think if he just walked in and said, look, I want to cooperate fully. I want to do whatever I got to do. If you want me to take, you know, classes or go to therapy or whatever, like I realize this is my third straw or whatever this is but this is where i want to be i want to make this my last stop i'll do whatever it takes how does he not get a phone call from randy moss to be like look man this is i'm going to give you the playbook man if you just follow the script you'll be good and you're going to get your ring but what team in the nfl needs him more than us right now and i still wouldn't touch him no because that would be like inviting no you just you can't you can't Okay. You guys want to talk about any other NFL stuff? I'm good. 
Saquon Barkley, uh, I hope you uh, are not available the next time we play the Giants. Oh. High ankle Poor sprain. Danger. Oh, can we talk about that first? Let's talk about that for just one, one second. So, so the Giants got a win today because of a missed field goal by the Bucks. Did you see how that went down? Yeah, I did. I watched, I watched that right down to the wire. What is Arians doing? No idea. He takes an intentional delay of game penalty to make the field goal harder. Long. Yeah, longer. I maybe he's just better from further out. That's what he said, but that doesn't. The I dude, know. What didn't the dude miss like a p a, a pat or something earlier in the day? Yeah. Yeah, and and it's it's uh, you're not going to convince me that we're not a better team than the Giants, even though we have the same record as they are right now. Although okay. this kid, I don't did know. Get... That goes right back to what we've been saying. We are going to be the world's best one in fifteen team. But we almost won 14 of those, Chuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wah, wah. And then did anyone see the end of the Bengals-Bills uh, game? No, I actually didn't see that. That was the, one of the 1 o'clock games. So I, I I think I just needed to take like a half-hour break after the Eagles had. So, all right. So what happened, the – I'm sorry. I don't, I don't know these guys' names off the top of my head. But the, uh, the, the Bills intercepted the pass to end the game. Right. So he he intercepts the ball and falls down, like kind of like gives like I don't know if he gives himself up, but he fall like he catches it, falls down, goes into the fetal position, then gets up and immediately runs into his own end zone, throws the ball and celebrates without being touched by a bangle. So it's a safety. Right. So the the Bengals coach is like flipping out livid on the sideline. It should be two points for us, and they need to kick it back to us. Right. The refs are saying he gave himself up, and then they and they blew the whistle. So they bl- it's, is it that same concept of what they called on Carson Wentz last week going into the end zone, that like if you're in a particular position, you are immediately denoted as down, like even if you're not touched by the other team? So the I you know I read something about it before we came on the show and they're basically they're saying like any player that gives themselves up obviously um, is down. But this was not I mean if you look at the replay he's down for like one second and he just immediately jumps up and starts running into his own end. Zone. Are they afraid that people are gonna like run over and like attack him? Like I'm like half and half because he would, he would I'm just like touch him being, and. Don't be like a diaper baby on the sideline because, like, you know you lost and you're trying to get out of this on some sort of technicality. But on the other side of it, I'm like, well, he did kind of just run into his own end zone. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the, and the other thing is, if you won the game, like, that's the last – like, you can run anywhere else in the stadium. Run anywhere else. Run to the run to the other end zone. Why would you run into your own end zone? Like, that just seems – like, you should get – it's so stupid run out of bounds first i that should totally be a safety no gray area man like if you are down somebody just has to put a pinky on you just stay down or you know take a knee like do the very symbolic taking of a knee that that'll be fine or just run out of bounds you know like i get i don't know the clock would stop on an interception right so, like, I mean, if you're still returning it, the clock yeah, stops yeah, on the change I'm saying, of possession. Like, if he, if oh, change he, of possession. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, 
just run out of bounds. Like, don't don't go, well, he obviously gave himself up. Get rid of interpretation, man. Like, draw a very solid line and so yeah, that should have been a safety. Well, that's the Pandora's box that they've they've opened up by trying to protect the quarterbacks by having them not come into contact. You know where he should have run? Into Chuck's penalty box. Yes, he should. It's always safe and warm in Chuck's penalty box. I don't know why it's warm. It makes the ice quality bad, but it is. And Gene, we're going to start with you this week. Gene, who is in your penalty box? Uh, this is a a continuous gripe for me, at least. Uh, and I know I've probably griped about it on this show before, but uh, tonight uh, award show took themselves to a whole new level of things that annoy me. They uh, had a comedian, I think it was Thomas Lennon, who was famous from his work on the uh, the show Reno 911 and uh, and the state, I believe. Chuck, correct me if yes, I'm wrong. Yes, thank They're you. I was going to jump in if you did not mention uh, MTV's great uh, sketch comedy show, The State. Yeah, and I generally like him and think he's funny, but uh, the Emmys had him basically doing um, like put downs when you know as people would win awards and they were winning awards for like best dramatic you know for for serious uh shows and stuff and then he would the one i remember off the top of my head because it was the maybe the lamest was when uh patricia arquette was given a an emmy and she's walking down the aisle he said patricia arquette is going to get to the stage before she gets to trader joe's which doesn't even make any sense that's yeah. exactly it. Like, it's not even a joke. Like, it's just stupid. And I actually, if there's one thing I used to appreciate in award shows, it's like that was the opportunity to give a couple stats. Like, this is Patricia's first win. She's been nominated in this category 17,000 times. Um, those sorts of things I appreciate. Like, oh, hey, you know, Meryl Streep, this is her 27th, because that's probably what I'm going to be Googling anyway. You might as well feed me that inf information. I do what, not... What are her Emmys over replacement? Yes, exactly. I, You know, I, I don't need that sort of, like, put-down, quippy, like, completely lame, because I just kept going, what did he say? What was that dumb thing? It was... I don't like award shows anyway, um, but this really like the whole concept of like the the uh, it just really turned me off to the whole idea. So uh, for that, I put the Emmys production team into the penalty box. All right. So Thomas Lennon and the Emmys production team, uh, you are getting a Four minute double minor of two minutes for ignoring advanced stats in uh, award show entertainment and two minutes for weak put on uh, put downs when you could have just brought in triumph the insult comic dog. So the Emmys and Thomas Lennon, you're great. You're great for me to poop on. Is that like a uh, is that a new actor stat? The ear ear. Emmys over replacements. Yeah, Emmys above replacement. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I, I think it's a good one. What is a replacement level TV actor Emmy count at zero? Well, I would think we have to really bring in the SAG Awards, you know, for best ensemble. <laughs> I would say, like, um, more yeah, importantly, yeah. what is it? What is a replacement level actor looks like? Like, if you had to, if you had to shout out a replacement level actor, like. Oh, uh, I think we Hayes. went to college with a lot of them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sean Hayes, not the not the one Dave does a podcast with, the one oh. from Grace. 
Gotcha. All right, speaking of Dave, Dave, who is in your penalty box? <laughs> I'm putting a uh, a bar stool tweet into the uh, into the penalty box. I don't know if anyone saw it on Saturday, uh, but Pitt University of Pitt um, ran the Philly special with one minute left to go in the game and down by six uh, with success. Yeah, it was uh, actually a really well, and they eventually went really... on to to win that game. However. Uh, Barstool retweeted the play, and the tweet said, "Philly special, more like Pitt special." Which I'm not even—I uh, don't even get that. And a, a lot of the commenters had, you know, the same—the uh, same thought I had was was like, "Great tweet, Dad." <laughs> so I mean, like, I don't know. Come on, do something a little better than that. You're supposed to be a comedy the website uh, do something a little bit more original a little bit more fun with that and you know we get it that you uh you hate philly but you don't have to rush to such a remedial level joke <laughs> as that so for that i'm putting uh that barstool tweet in the penalty box all right uh a rather innocuous tweet for barstool but still stupid as hell um barstool just be better be better uh 10 minute game misconduct for being barstool jesus it was uh it was one of the better run uh philly specials you know and and i think uh one of us were suggesting like why, why don't we ever see the failed ones so obviously that's what i did yesterday was watch a bunch of failed philly specials man when that play does not go well whoo it is ugly you know what's funny it's like as soon as i saw the quarterback um slide over and go behind the um the tackle i'm like it's philly special <laughs> it's like that that play is so programmed into my brain now that i pick it up every time I how every like. division one linebacker doesn't have that exact same reaction as you is beyond me yeah and as soon as the flip goes and you see the quarterback slide out how is someone not like qb qb or i don't know anyway whatever chuck who's in your penalty box Thank you guys. And actually thank you again because I'm so happy that you did not take um who is in my penalty box this week. And the person or thing in my penalty box is Blooper. The uh Atlanta Braves um the Atlanta Braves uh fanatic knockoff that mm. is flesh colored. Yeah. Kind of penis shaped and really distracting and apparently he's been around for like two years and and he's just useless like who wants like a skinny mascot like he has no bulbous belly he is furry but like like caucasian flesh colored it's like one of those things that the native american name teams have to default to because anything pertaining to their team name would be horribly offensive yeah and if that's your cross to bear change the damn name <laughs> or, or i don't know pick an animal like we've seen many a muppet type mascot but none like pink caucasian flesh tone before with weird ears and kind of skinny so blooper also horrible name horrible name it's like unforced error was taken so they picked <laughs> blooper so blooper you're in the penalty box for being 
way too phallic and fleshy. Two minutes. Isn't Blooper the name of a Super Mario Brothers enemy? Yes, I believe one of the well, the cheap cheeps. It's like the squid, isn't it? Like the white it is. squid. It is. Because on the same board with the cheap cheeps. And now I have that music stuck in my head, <laughs> and so do all of you. <laughs> Ba-da-ba-ba-da-ba-ba. That's all the time we have for today. Um, we are going to be back Thursday night with a raw nerve episode immediately after uh, Eagles Green Bay. And I'm saying immediately because we all have work in the morning. Uh, and uh, and then we'll be back uh, the following Monday on our regular scheduled time uh, where we're going to do – are we going to bury the Phillies? Will they be done by then, like officially? A fuelogy? With a PH. (laughs) (laughs) Could have gone funeral. Yeah, that probably would have been way better. (laughs) Way, way better. Uh, But we also got to get some Flyers talking because that season is fast approaching. 12 days from when we recorded this. 11 from when you listen to it. Or maybe 10 if you listen later in the week. (laughs) Or even less than that. Or might have already started. Who the hell knows when you're listening to this Whatever. Listen frequently, rate, review, and subscribe. (laughs) (laughs) Good point, Chuck. Thank you for bringing that up. Also, uh, be sure to check out our social media accounts, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Just search Potadelphia. And if you have any more time in your podcast listening day, be sure to check out the whip around our sister show, who is quickly approaching episode 100. So so that's going to be a lot of fun. So make sure you check that out. All right. Until then. Have a great day at work, everybody. We are out of here.